I'm General Manager Ethan Rosignol at Dark Horse Toyota in Silver Spring. The demand for new cars has never been higher and inventory is tight. But Dark Horse Toyota in Silver Spring has the inventory and the right car for you. There's never been a better time and place to buy. Dark Horse Toyota Silver Spring. We will save you time and money. Come find out why Dark Horse Toyota Silver Spring is the region's number one Toyota store or get started now at darkhorsetoyota.com. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I'm your co-host, Mike Kellen. As always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. Woo! And this week, it is your pick. And you picked my favorite Jim Starlin comic, but it's not by Jim Starlin. <laughs> That's right. I went for the really good Warlock. Woo. Warlock, issue 6, 1973. The power of was... Warlock, right? Well, technically, but I don't know if that's the official title. I think it's just Warlock, but because back then they always had like a line. They always like remember Beware the Claws of the Cat. And, sure, sure. But then it's really just the cat, so I guess it's still just Warlock. But yeah, this is. Uh, I was being sarcastic with the better Warlock because yeah, this was when Warlock was terrible. Yes. And uh, it wasn't until Jim Starlin came in that he kind of got some uh, attention and stuff. Right, right, but, right. But, uh, what, what do you know about the Warlock, Michael? Do you know where he made his first appearance? I believe it was Fantastic Four number 66. That is correct. Wow, <laughs> 1967, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. That's now, right. Now, uh, would you like to explain that first appearance? Well, it's been a while since I read it, but I, all I know is that at the time, he was he was named him. Yes. Right? And he was a guy grown in a cocoon. Yes, by a research group known as the Enclave. Okay. They, they were attempting to produce a powerful new race of humans to take over the world. And uh, so they, they called him him. And when he he emerged from his cocoon, though, he found out about his creator's evil intentions, and he rebelled against them. Awesome. And he has he had gold skin, and I think at the time he was like naked well, with gold skin, right? He has like orange. It was similar to the color he had, because uh, modern warlock kind of has like what orangish skin. Yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar. He had white pants. The white underpants. He came okay. out of the cocoon wearing white underpants, and he had like a yellow hair, like a, a Caesar haircut. Right. But, uh, cool. And he, uh, what, the first thing he did once he rebelled against his evil creators, he went and kidnapped Lady Sif from Asgard. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> he wanted to mate her, I guess. Huh. <laughs> but Thor, Thor battled him to a... Uh, well, bloody pulp, really. Just beat the piss out of him. <laughs> and and so him uh, went back in his cocoon and shot himself <laughs> off into space. Really? Okay. Yeah, and that was the last we'd see, we saw of him in, <laughs> until uh, Warlock Marvel Premiere Issue 1, 1972. Right. That, that's well, when Warlock pops up as officially Warlock. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's Marvel Premiere featuring the power of Warlock, number one. <laughs> But I think after the first two, 
it, like Marvel premiere would just focus on someone else, right? I think. Yeah. Then it went into its own series that we're reading here today. But that first appearance was uh, Marvel premiere one, 1972. And this version of Warlock was created by our boy, Roy. Roy, Roy the boy. Yep. And his inspiration was Jesus Christ Superstar. He was watching that musical hey. Jesus Christ Superstar. And he said uh, he wanted to create like a Christ-like figure who would not be, you know, aggressive or violent or, you know, necessarily trying to fight. He was trying to bring humanity together and save humanity, I guess. Right. So, th so that was the idea behind Warlock. That's cool. Yeah, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> so the, the way he became went from him to Warlock is uh, a fellow by the name of the High Evolutionary. Right. Yeah, I guess everyone's familiar with him, right? The Evolutionary Wars. Remember that terrible crossover? Oh, yes. You know? That was, I think, <laughs> wasn't that the first interannual crossover, I think? It was up there. Yep. Like Atlantis Attacks was right around that. Oh, I guess yeah. after that, right? Yeah, but, so um, I think Evolutionary War was first, yep. Anyway, the High Evolutionary uh, found Warlock's cocoon floating in space. Mm -hmm. And at this time, the High Evolutionary had created what he called Counter-Earth. So I guess for you DC kids, it'd be like Earth 2. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, Counter-Earth was on the opposite side of the sun, and it was like uh, synced out of our reality by like one second or something. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, so you, we, we would never be able to see it. But it was there, and it was exactly like our Earth, but it was Counter-Earth. And uh, the High Evolutionary was famous for like evolving animals into like humans, you know? Yeah. Like that, that was his gimmick, right? Right. Like, who was uh, Bova? Wasn't that the lady yes! cow? Yes, yes. I, I read about Bova, I think, in an issue of Marvel 2-in-1 or something. <laughs> yeah, she raised the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, at least right. originally there for a while. Um, and then the, another example, I guess, Wolverine was originally supposed to be a, a uh, evolved Wolverine. Into, but they changed that idea. They said, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to Yeah, let's thank the gods they changed that, right? <laughs> But uh, that's what this high evolutionary does. He, he may mutate or evolves animals and all kind of things. So one of these things that he did this was with a wolf. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you love how I say wolf. Yeah, a, a, it sounds wolf. like you say woof. Woof. Yeah, yeah. That's Western PA. Wolf. He okay. did this with a wolf. There you and, go. And uh, the wolf became evil, and he became known as the man beast. Ah, yes, man beast. Okay. You're familiar with this person? I've heard of the Man-Beast. I'm going to Google yeah. Man-Beast right now. <laughs> so, Man-Beast uh, tried to take over the High Evolutionary's little lab or whatever, and he was defeated several times, and he was, um, I don't know, thrown out into space or something, but he keeps coming back because he's the Man-Beast. So, Man-Beast decides, I'm going to take over Counter-Earth. Mm. So, that's what he did. He took over Counter-Earth. So, now the High Evolutionary has to find a way to, like, you know, defeat the man beast. And while this is all good, cause man beast like tried to attack his ship and stuff and all this is going on. And, uh, he, uh, here warlocks already on the ship in the cocoon. And while man beast is fighting high evolutionary, the cocoon opens up and warlock emerges and he beats man beast, you know, drives him off. And then he says, I, you know, I want to do good for humanity. I want to save this counter earth. So let me go fight the man beast. Mm. I will conquer the man beast. So the high evolutionary says, all right, that's a good deal. Uh, saves me from doing it. But hey, hey, warlock. Well, he doesn't call him warlock yet. He says, hey, let me give you something. He gives him the soul gem. Ah, cool. 
Yeah, one of them infinity gems. Right. You know, the soul gem. Puts it right up on his forehead. Boom. Smacks it up there. He <laughs> says, here, that, that'll help you on your quest. So uh, the guy, not known as Warlock yet, goes flying back down to the uh, counter-earth. But when he's leaving, uh, High Evolutionary says, "You, your powers are so uncanny and... Uh, you know, it'll seem like magic or whatever to the normal man. So they will call you Warlock. Mm. And that's how he got his name. Really interesting. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. So then he lands on Counter-Earth. And that's what this series is about. Him pursuing the man beast to try and save Counter-Earth. <clears throat> interesting. Eh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Here's... and uh, when he lands on Earth, he or Counter... I'm just going to call it Earth, but it's Counter-Earth. Well, well, when he yeah, lands there, uh, four teenagers uh, befriend him, uh-huh. and they take him through Counter-Earth, show him the world and everything. And one of them, a girl, she calls him Adam. Ah, okay. So that's how he got the Adam part of Adam Warlock. Um, I'm not sure why she called him Adam. I guess because he's the first man. I guess it's the first man situation, biblical reference. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, so she calls him Adam Warlock. And uh, would you like to describe what he looks like to the kids? Uh, yeah, well, first we should say that I think this is his second of four looks because like you said, you're talking about Warlock, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So when Warlock <laughs> was first introduced, he just had like gold or orange skin and like just like underwear. In this story, in this era, he has um, like yellow boots, red underwear, a red shirt that only kind of goes over his shoulders and down the middle of his chest. And it has like a Captain Marvel lightning bolt on it, yellow. That, that's exactly what it is because they were inspired. They drew and they like wanted it to look like Captain Marvel. That's right, did, right. So. There was a lot of those back then. The Flash did yeah. it. Uh, Doc <laughs> Savage did it. But then besides that, but then besides that, he's also got... Da- Doc Savage didn't do it. No, not Don't. Doc Savage. Doc yeah. Doc Sampson from the Hulk. Yes, Remember Doc him? Sam- yeah, Doc yeah, Sampson. Yeah, yeah. smirch Doc Savage. Because, Michael, since uh, we did our Doc <laughs> Savage issue, I'm way into Doc Savage. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm listening to a Doc... Every day, I, I like to take naps. So every day when I take a nap, I put on a Doc Savage audiobook. And, oh, yeah? Uh, take a nap. Go to sleep? So, yeah. I'm way into Doc Savage, though. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Um... <laughs> You can do a Doc Savage podcast? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, Maybe I, I will. Yeah. All right. So anyway, but he's also, Warlock has also got gold, like, um, what are those called? Uh, bracelets. And gold, like, like one gold bracelet around his right uh, bicep. And then a gold belt. It almost looks like something He-Man would wear. You know? And, he, and he's got the blonde hair. And the blonde the nice hair. Blonde and he's got hair. the soul gem on his forehead. But I do want to point out that... Um, after this, he got a slight costume update by Jim Starlin, where I, ba- I think he oh. basically just got rid of the, um, what's it called, the lightning bolt. Other than that, it's he, pretty he much the same. And he got a cape. And he got, got a, cape. a cape, right? And then later, when, it, when they did Infinity Gauntlet, he got a completely different costume that was like all black with kind of like orange long gloves and orange long boots and then a red cape. But I, I prefer, I don't know, I kind of prefer the cape look, you know? So uh, this Warlock series only ran eight issues mm-hmm. from 72 to 73. The issue we're reading today is from 1973. And then uh, some plot lines are tied up in Incredible Hulk issues 176 to 178, 1974. Right. So I don't know why that was happening, but like why? I guess probably 
um, Roy Thomas was. Yeah, doing probably, about. that's how they did it, right? They'd be like, "Well, yeah. now I'm writing the champion, so I'll just wrap up the story I did two years ago in whatever book was canceled." You know, so that's why you got to jump around to follow these things. In 1975, Jim Starlin then revived Warlock in Strange Tales, issue 178 to 181, mm-hmm. and he made his adventures more cosmic in scope, so they were no longer concerned with Earth, you know, Counter-Earth, or mm-hmm. Earth 2, or whatever. Um, so, I'm trying to think why Starlin... I read... Uh, oh, Starlin was doing Captain Marvel, and I meant to look this up, and I... I forgot. So maybe you know Michael from your vast comic book knowledge, but he said he left Captain Marvel because of creative differences. Ah, okay. Like, but do you know what those differences were? No, I honestly have no idea. However, if we were to look who was editing those issues, we'd probably find out, right? <laughs> like, could have been, could have been Jim Shooter, could have been Jerry Conway, right? A lot of people had problems with Jerry Conway, right? Yeah, this would have been, you know, early '70s, so it wouldn't have been Shooter. Okay. Yeah. Oh, while we're talking, I can, um, okay. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, because I, I guess, uh, I think it was Roy maybe asked him, Hey, well, what do you want to do? What other character do you want to do? And he just looked around of, uh, (laughs) what characters no one was using or anything. And he liked, he, he wanted the idea of a, uh, like a savior kind of character. Like that's Mm -hmm. what he was trying to do with Captain Marvel. And so he's like, Oh, well, here's a guy who's already kind of doing it. I'll just re, you know, rehash trans, or, uh, transplant my story ideas over to this guy. Yeah, I'll just revitalize Adam Warlock because he's kind of like the the formulas right there. So here we go. So he that's why he took over Warlock, and so he did the he picked up the series. They just started numbering it with issue nine in 1975, <laughs> and it ended with issue 15 in 1976. So not uh, very, uh, yeah, not all that successful. But during that run, he brought in like Thanos and Gamora and right. uh, you know Infinity Gems and stuff were in there. So all kind of stuff. Uh, then in 1991, the Infinity Gauntlet. That's yeah. the big story. And uh, that was Starlin again, bringing in Warlock. And then we have Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Right. In 1992 to 1995, that was a regular series and lasted for 42 issues. That is what our buddy Captain, Captain, uh, Cousin Brandon was reading. <laughs> right. When he thought he was reading Quasar, remember? Oh, right. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> That's reading right, yep. Warlock and the Infinity Watch. So there you go. But uh, so you don't get all these Marvel movies without uh, our buddy Warlock because, you know, all that Infinity Gauntlet stuff kind of started with him. Right. And, and just Thanos. so you know, I should point out the editor on those issues where Jim Starlin was having problems was Roy the Boy Thomas. So maybe he well, was the that's one. That's weird. Yep. So maybe he was the one that was interfering. I don't know. So maybe that's why he said, well, I'll let you pick whoever else you want or I, I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, I need to research that more. Maybe in a future right. episode, we'll figure it out. There you uh, go. Sorry, the writer here is uh, Mike Friedrich. We've talked <laughs> about him many times. Ghost and... Rider, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go back to the Ghost Rider episode, we get all his background. Uh, Roy Thomas did issue one of the series. Then Friedrich did issues two, three, four, six, seven, and eight. And uh, a fellow named Ron Goulart did issue five. <laughs> Do you know Ron Goulart at all? No, I don't. Nope. Uh, not really. Uh, I guess uh, he he went on to do a bunch of like novelizations of stuff, and uh, but he's he also did all the Tech War stuff with William Shatner. Okay, okay. He he wrote every issue of the Tech War comic book in the '90s for Marvel. Wow. And he he ghost wrote all Shatner's Tech War novels. 
Really? Uh, like Shatner took the credit, you know, but this guy wrote them all. Of course, yeah. Uh, the artist here is a fellow named Bob Brown. Maybe uh, we'll talk about him later, or do you want to talk about him now? <laughs> it's up to you. Whatever, well, whatever you want. Yeah, let's talk about him later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's split it up. All right, let's get to the book. Or is there anything else about Warlock you'd like to uh, say? No, only that I was first exposed to him via Infinity Gauntlet, and then I read there was a great Baxter uh, reprint series of Starlin's Run. I read all those as a kid, and oh, I loved them. I don't know if you've read them, but they're great. Yeah, I never read any Warlock. This is my first. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, this is not Warlock. a good first impression. We'll get to that later. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, oh, you know what? We should also. I mean, are we going to go into like, explain Counter Earth a little bit, or just as we go? We'll just go as we go along. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. Okay, so we talk about the comic now. Yep. All right, Warlock Marvel Comics Group. 20 cents, number 6, June. We got our little corner circle here with an image that I'm going to guess is drawn by Gil Kane. It's just Warlock ah. standing there. It's a cool shot. What do you think? No? I don't know. I mean, it yeah. could be. It's so small. Like, you know. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but I think it's... I think yeah, it's Gil looking. Kane did a lot of the covers. Right. He didn't do this cover, though. This looks but, like yeah. John Romita? That is correct. John Romita Sr. So, yeah, the power of Warlock... It's a nice red background. Um, we've got this pretty freaking cool shot of Warlock, who's kind of like standing in a Kirby pose, like getting ready to fight. And he's facing Reed Richards in a suit, but Reed Richards is changing into a beast. And so there's kind of like three, like a ghost image of Reed Richards and then another ghost image of the creature and then another image kind of all mixed together of the creature at full size and yeah. reed richards is saying warlock please my name is reed richards and i need your help for i'm changing into too late fool now there is no more reed richards <laughs> now there's only the brute and the brute, the brute. Yeah. and they're standing on like a bridge that looks like it's in new york city or, or something and there's like a car I, in the background i think it's actually the golden gate bridge no oh is it okay okay in the background, you see a guy, like a like a civilian, pointing at them, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but this cover's great. Oh, it's um, great! Yeah. Yeah. Notice the tire fell off that guy's car, so I guess he ran into the brute, or but I don't know. I'm very confused because he's right. just turning into the brute. So. Yeah, um, I don't know what happened. It's a great cover, but, though. You're right. Like oh yeah, really... I, yeah. Like you mentioned that Kirby-esque pose of uh, I always called him Quasar of uh, Warlock is awesome. Yeah. So, I love this. Anyway, so then we uh, crack it open. The Power of Warlock. Mike Friedrich in introducing Bob Brown, which which we'll talk about later because he'd been drawing comics since the 1940s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. introducing Bob Brown for this book. but not, Right. Or for yeah. maybe Marvel, but we'll find out. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I don't even think for Marvel, just for this ah, book, I believe. Okay, so. okay. And then, at the, and then it says, Story Plot, Ron Goulart, from an idea by Roy Thomas, editor. So, yeah, so it says the Golden Gladiator's grimmest challenge, the brute. So, and then above that it says, here's the scene, people, California on counter-Earth, a world much like our own spinning on the far side of the sun. So we see Warlock getting attacked by these three helicopters. And they're like, surrender, Adam Warlock, you'll die. Never will I stand at a fire bite and shall ever match it with my own power. So, yeah, he's, and this is not a great shot, in my opinion. 
<laughs> uh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a big splash page. <clears throat> like you said, the helicopters are attacking him. The the composition's fine, I guess, but the uh, the legs from the yeah. waist down, he like crammed the legs into the panel, and it's just yeah, the anatomy's yeah. all wacky. It would have been better if he just had the legs run off the panel, right? But. Yeah, and then uh, see this. Ooh, this is rough because we have to point out that Counter Earth is not exactly like Earth, and. Knowing that, the editors or writers decided, okay, well, we got to explain that to the, to the reader. So then they're <laughs> like, since 1906, San Francisco... Okay, so they're talking about our Earth, but on this Earth, I guess there was an earthquake uh, that like, destroyed uh, San Francisco, right? Well, the, like the San Andreas Fault, it caused yes. all the big earthquakes. and Yeah, because uh, this actually, they're detailing things that happened in earlier issues of oh, okay Warlock. okay yeah so it's not they're kind of recapping they're not like okay. just you know whatever so yeah because of this earthquake um uh then they i i guess the they created these things called death birds outlawed weapons deemed the most monstrous and human invention which quake launched from earth earthen graves like deadly drones seeking target queens blasted warlock instead with the power to obliterate mountains <laughs> And then we see Warlock getting hit by these missile things, and he's like yeah. recoiling back in a position that would break a human's back, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, because well, he's not human; he's a Warlock. Okay, yeah. okay. So then we <laughs> and then we cut over to this flashback with the Counter Earth version of Doctor Doom, which I guess is a good guy here. Yes, that's the key point here. In Counter Earth, Doctor Doom is a good fella, and he just wears a suit and a shirt and tie, and is just a metal head. Right. Like there's no cloak on him or anything, just a metal head. Right. Kind of right, like right. Destro. Yeah, right. And then uh and so yeah, this is all flashbacks, I guess, because we can we can tell by the uh the curved panel borders, right? That's how we yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so they are on like this tele video phone thing talking to who is this? I don't even know who That's this is. That's the president. President oh, the, Carpenter. Yeah, the president President Carpenter. And uh, they're just, uh, you know, talking well, about what's going on. Well, well go he's ahead. saying that he, the president is announcing that Warlock is an enemy of the people. Right, because, right, right. Because right. he was a hero. Because mm -hmm. he destroyed those birds or whatever, those metal birds. And so he was a hero. But then uh, he's become a threat to us all. It is with a heavy heart that I make these statements. So I think they're blaming him for killing somebody. Mm. But it really wasn't his fault. But uh, Right. So then we see, like... Like the U.S. Army, like attacking, like we see, like you know, helicopters, jeeps, whatever the you know personnel carriers, um, and then there's you know by order of the United States uh, President, I demand Adam Warlock surrender, and then all the all of uh, Adam Warlock's buddies are like, shove it, piggy, <laughs> and then the guy's like, all right, disperse. We'll use tear gas if you keep blocking us. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're arguing back and forth so all of warlock's friends are trying to protect him but then a helicopter comes in and shoots a missile at him wham you know warlock gets well, shot well mike oh uh, before that there's a one of the military guys is saying i'm just following the president's orders mister he's talking to dr Dam. oh right but, right i like but this personally i believe him over a gold skin freak and dr doom says a blatant racist too huh <laughs> <laughs> what a low life yep nice yeah. dealing with politics 
and, and uh, uh oh the and helicopter the, comes in oh yeah go ahead yeah and it shoots him and this is where he activates his soul and it's called the soul jewel here you notice that oh they never say gem i guess not and it's funny because uh, in the movies they actually change it to stones right so oh, like the right. infinity stones because it's not cool to call them gems yeah, because then it'd be like, uh, what was that book we read? Amethyst. Gem <laughs> yeah. But this is a right. soul jewel, so whatever. Soul jewel. So then he, Adam Warlock's trying to figure out what to do, so he's like, too many innocents in the area. So then he just decides to like fly away, and all the helicopters find or uh, follow him. And then Doctor Doom gets on the horn. He's trying to talk to the president, but you know, the president's not listening to him. And he's like, you abuse your hotline privilege, Professor. Hangs up on him. Shows him who's boss, right? Yeah. So then Dr. Doom's like, oh no, what am I going to do now? So then he's like, even my closest colleague doesn't believe me. Why does Warlock scare everyone so? Yet Reed seemed personally distant. I wonder if something strange is going on. And we cut over to the shot of Reed Richards. With <laughs> well, his... well, yeah, you missed the part where he called Reed Richards. Oh, like yes, yes, him. yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. So he called Reed Richards and, he's, and Reed Richards is like, He's like, well, you know, Vic, I'm sorry, but I've got more pressing problems just now. And Doom, Dr. Doom, and can't be bothered, right, friend? I understand. Sorry. So, yeah, so that was when Reed Richards hung up. And then it's funny because it's like we don't know why he's preoccupied, but then the next panel right below it, we see this shot of Reed Richards holding the phone with his two gigantic, like, brute arms. So normal body, <laughs> two brute arms. Yeah, they're big purple monster arms. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so then, oh, this is so awkward. So then, <laughs> so now we're in a new scene for one panel, and then right away we cut to him flashing back to how he met Doctor Doom in college. So yeah. we see them, you know, together in a dorm. We see them, um, like you know, performing experiments with like beakers and bunsens and all that. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, beakers and, and then, and then is it? It's it's Doctor Doom that has the yeah the accident. He like smashes some beaker and then it explodes in his face. He's like, "Arg!" And then Reed Richards is like, "You know, Vic." And then we cut to Reed Rich or uh, Victor Von Doom all covered in bandages in like a hospital bed. And then by the next shot, he's now got his classic Doctor Doom mask, right? And he's like still doing experiments, but now he's got his Doctor Doom mask. Yeah, but uh, one key point here is when he's all bandaged up in the hospital, his face buried, wanting to give up. Reed Richards is there to give him a pep talk. You can't let this stop you, Vic. You are still the greatest. You've got to pull yourself together. So in uh, Counter, <coughs> Reed Richards and Dr. Doom are bestest chums. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah, there were college roommates in the regular Marvel Universe, but I guess not this close, right? Yeah, I never... Yeah, they were kind of more like rivals, weren't they? Like, Well, they were, well, they, well yeah, they were roommates or something, but they, were, they definitely knew each other in college, for sure. Yeah, but they weren't chums. They uh, were like, maybe, maybe not. I can't remember. They weren't yeah. chums. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so then we cut to... They, they weren't going bowling together. Let's put yeah, it that way. They weren't doing yeah. double dating, right? No. So then we cut over to the fateful day, <laughs> the the March Ides in the year 1961. And we see a replay of that classic scene from FF number one, where four people are, you know, are sneaking onto a rocket to fly it into space. They want to be the first in space. And uh, then it takes off, and then the narration's like, yet like his true Earth counterpart, Reed, or Richards dared the danger. So it was Professor Doom's turn to stand behind his friend, and he thus wished him Godspeed, praying all the while Reed would return unaltered. So we see the Fantastic Four get hit by the um, cosmic 
cosmic rays, they crash back onto Earth. But what happens when they wake up? Oh no. Uh, Sue Richards is in a coma. Everything else, everyone else is fine. No one else gets powers except Reed Richards. So, uh, this, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not that he gets powers necessarily. He kind of gets cursed in a way. Well, but the reason, the reason they don't get the powers is because Man Beast controls Counter Earth. Oh, and he right. didn't want he didn't want any superhuman beings there on counter right. earth to fight him so he made sure that they did not get superhuman powers so this is kind of like a, a bad what if you could say in a way yeah in a way yeah. yeah so then it cuts back to the present and reed richards is like my head my hands throbbing with pain the those accursed rays did affect me mutating my flesh my bones my being into what can only be called the brute so then now he's just this big gray monster. That's still a flashback, though. That's not the... Oh, uh, yeah, right, right. You're right, yes. Yeah. It's flashback, so then he smashes, you know, this machine in front of him. Why me? Why did it happen to me? Why, why? But there's no answer. Um, and then only a quick sudden shudder, and then, what? I'm changing back, back to normal. So then Reed Richards goes back to normal. And then we see him changing again. And then, um, he, well, because he was trying to like control the change, right? To show right, that right. He, he could kind of so it's kind of like the thing. But then we cut back to the present day, and he's full on brute now. And there's a hit. There's a guy in the doorway, like uh, in shadows, commanding the brute. Yes, and uh, and he's like, and then re- obviously Reed Richards knows knows this guy because he's like you, and the guy's like surprise brute. Why when I designed this secret passage and had a hidden hand in your becoming the brute now i have a task for you and he's like no i love this this is my favorite part of the whole book this is the brute's dialogue never uh i i'll do whatever you say (laughs) (laughs) i love it and the guy's like excellent my hypnotized lackey now listen so he's obviously yeah because his eyes are glowing there in the shadow so i'm guessing the implication is he hypnotized him with his eyes now do you uh care to guess who that guy is is this man brute? No, I guess it can't be, right? Well, man beast. Or man beast. Yeah, it is man beast, but and as human guys, but do you, do you know who that human is in uh, this story? No, who is it? I believe it's the president. Oh, I really? President. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. A little okay, a little twist there. I like it. So the president is secretly the man beast. Right, right. So then we cut over to Warlock walking along. This is now 30 hours later. It's important. And, you know, someone walks up behind him. He's like, what? And then he cuts over and he, it's, uh, it's this woman named Estrella. Yeah. Now, Estrella is the sister of the president. Ah, they're all connected. I like it. Yeah. And uh, Warlock and her, I guess, uh, I don't know. They're, they're not like lovers, but uh, I guess they met before and, uh, you know. She's a foxy lady, so yeah. they hang out together. And then she's know. got this little, like, star, I guess, is that a tattoo on her cheek? How about we heat things up tonight? Ooh, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. I guess, you know, hippies and all. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But anyway, so then he gets, yeah, she gives him some clothes and he gets dressed up in like a suit and tie. (laughs) Well, yeah, because she wants to, you know, 
he's he's hiding from the law and whatnot. Right. So right. Uh, but there's some conflict here, Michael, because she's secretly setting him up for a trap. Ah. Yeah, she's uh, like, he's so trusting, he scares me. What would he think if he knew everything I told him was a lie? A setup. I feel like a heel. So then we cut mm-hmm. over to yeah, um, so they're driving um on the what is it, yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And uh and then they come to a traffic jam. And, uh, oh, it appears to be an accident of some nature, nothing, uh, of some nature, nothing serious, I presume. And then we see a bunch of cars go flying and then we find out it's the man brute that's thrown them or just the brute. Sorry. The brute. Yeah. Just the brute. Yeah. Don't you... confuse your man beast with your brute. Yeah. I never want to do it's that. <laughs> and man beast. Uh, and, and I'd see, uh, I don't like this. It's one thing to have these cheesy nicknames for everyone at Marvel, but he's reusing <laughs> Thor's nickname, which is Goldilocks. He's like, you, Goldilocks, you, I want, you, brute well, kills. I well, mean, maybe he's on counter. Pretty much anyone with blonde hair gets called Goldilocks, so I don't oh, know if it's okay, Thor's okay. nickname. So then Adam Warlock tells Estrella, Estrella to get away, and then he rips off his suit and tie to reveal his costume underneath. And then he starts fighting Brute. And then Brute, like, smashes this car, and we see it go flying. Hopefully there's no people inside, right? Then he throws (laughs) another car at him, and Warlock leaps out of the way, like leaping Lanny Poffo. Oh, nice. Nice uh, wrestling reference. Reference there, yep. And then, uh, then, this is kind of cool, actually. I like this. Brute grabs, like, the cables that hold up the suspension bridge and, like, rips them so that, like, those big suspension things, like, kind of, like, rip off and we see like the bridge kind of cracking it's kind of cool we see cars falling into the ground it's a great like uh idea but it's not drawn that well but it's a cool scene so then uh adam warlock's adam warlock is like you know he's, he's like i gotta fix this so then he uses his soul jewel he's like i must look <laughs> yeah. to my soul and use its energy to reform the spans molecules back to the original state so we see him kind of like well, kind of like, it looks like he's melting the metal to, like, fix the bridge. And then Brute, like, jumps on him, and then they fall into the river, or the bay, or whatever it is. And, like, now they're under the water, wrestling under the water, and, like, Adam Warlock kicks him in the face, and then, like, swims away. So, yeah, I'm not sure what his powers are, but he certainly can't breathe underwater, right? <laughs> well, that's what I don't get, because later on, he can clearly fly through space. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, good point, good point. It's so like I was to, confused by this. Yeah, he's like, uh, to wrench himself free, to conserve precious oxygen, to send in, his arms stroking, stroking to the surface. Stroking, mm-hmm. stroking, yeah. So then he, uh, he's, he's, he's like just out of the water, and then Brute grabs him by the foot, but then Autumn Warlock is faster, and so his soul jewel flares on, mystically attuning itself to the Brute's molecular, molecular composition, devolving it back back to its former state. And so then we see he's turned back into Reed Richards. And then, and then Adam Warlock is like, then man, that, sorry, then Brute was a man. Wait, I recognize this man, the Reed Richards of this counter earth. And there's a little note at the bottom, Warlock having battled the true earth Reed as him in FF 66 to 67. (laughs) It gets a little confusing. Yeah. So then he pulls him out of the drink and then all the, the helicopters are, are flying towards him. Then, of course, they start shooting at him. Quam. And then a soldier <laughs> shooting at him. And there's more little notes at the bottom. Uh, see? Yeah, so the soldier's shooting at him. And then he's like, 
And then the narration's like, but a memory gives him pause. A recollection of an almost dream in which he faced a similar soldierly threat and murdered in response. And then the note says, in Warlock number two. And then it says, that hypnotic near event haunts a pure seeking soul with the dark underside of his own nature. Thus remembered, Warlock chooses not to return death with death, but to turn his cheek to contrary winds. Just like Jesus, right? <laughs> That's right. Turn the so other cheek. He, yeah, so then he flies away. And I remember it was funny. This is the point of the story where I was like, Jesus Christ, when is this going to end? Don't worry, there's only <laughs> one, more, one more page. So then he... <laughs> So then he goes back to um, uh, the mountain cabin overlooking Lumpico Canyon. And yeah, I guess Estrella had given him these directions before. Okay. Yeah, he's I like... I don't know. We never saw that. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess well, he at some point gave him these directions. So then he goes into this cabin and he's like, Von Doom! And Von Doom's like, Warlock! And he's like, then I am at the correct place. I assume so. From the mess, I would guess it's a, a writer's pad. <laughs> a little inside joke. <laughs> but neither he nor the girl who told me to come here is here. Yes, yes, that would be Estrella. Then where is she and the others? She promised. So then, as they're trying to figure out what's going on, all of a sudden some guy kind of falls through the doorway. Uh, and they're like, Jason Gray! And it's this guy we've never seen before, right? Well, yeah, but he's very—he's one of those four teenagers that befriended uh, Warlock ah, when okay, he came okay. to the counter. So he's a regular. Okay. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, Adam, and I got stinking news for you. <laughs> and then I love this response from Doom. Come on, out with it, man, because that's how Dr. Doom talks. And Jason Gray's like, the, they got us all. Only I escaped. We're in trouble, Adam. We g gotta go. What a cliffhanger. Then it says, <laughs> underground, continued next issue-ish. Yep. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, the Warlock end. issue six. How about that? Woo! Um, did you notice, like, most of this book, uh, I would say, well, maybe, maybe it's like 60-40 narration. Yeah. Over dialogue. There's a lot of narration. And a book. lot of flashback and a lot of explanation. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, it's, uh, it's rough. Because nowadays you don't really see, I don't know, Michael, you read more comic books than me these days, but uh, do they use a lot of narration to tell the stories? Isn't it mostly in like... Oh, no. Comics take five minutes to read now because it's just, yeah, you know, dialogue and like empty panels, basically. So And if it is narration, it's first person narration where like the character speaking. Usually, reader, usually. Not... I mean, there's nothing wrong with narration if it's done well, but this is no, not no, great. No, no, it's yeah, just yeah. a... An observation. Uh, clearly yeah. a unique difference in this era of comic books then. Ah, uh, okay. But um, even for the 70s, I think this was pretty narration heavy, though. It was pretty, yeah. pretty heavy. Uh, pretty. Yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of flashbacks. Um, I like the conflict, though, like uh, Estrella uh, backstabbing him, setting him up for a trap, and she's the president's sister, and so I like that kind of stuff. Um, well, the thing is, is, you know, I read about High Evolutionary and Counter-Earth and all that stuff when I was a kid, and I thought it was such a cool idea. And I'm assuming there's there's got to be some good stuff in maybe Thor or something, but I did not enjoy this Counter-Earth thing at all. Like, I don't know, it just seemed pointless, <laughs> you know? Like, what, what do you mean it seemed pointless? Well, okay. I mean, I guess I should have known that it was just going to be a duplicate of Earth. But then when you read up on it, you find out that did you, I don't know if you read this, but Counter-Earth, for some reason, is, like, really small compared to regular Earth. Did you know that? Did not know that. I thought yeah. it was the exact same size. No, that's what, that's yeah. what I mean. It's kind of like, um, 
I mean, maybe this is my own fault for misunderstanding, but I thought that I was under the assumption that Counter Earth was like a weird version of Earth, but it's it's like well, yeah. no, it's almost exactly the same. But if you read read up yeah. on it, um, of course, I don't know where I saw this. I'm trying to find. Oh yeah, so Planet Earth. Well, it's not like Earth Two was a weird version of Earth One in DC. It's the same no, thing. No, true, except... true, true. But I just you know whatever. I I thought because it was kind of it was. I think you went in with. I think you went in with wrong expectations and then but they see, weren't met you're, you're the angry thing, <laughs> is that high evolutionary created counter earth yeah because so, it was like to do like so you're thinking he created it to do experiments with his yeah, animals like i thought it would be stuff? just a, a like a, a plant an earth-like planet just inhabited by all these like bova and all these other people but then the fact no, that his you have, idea for creating it was to create a utopia like okay a, he wanted to see if he could make a modern earth but have it be peaceful and and live in harmony I guess. So, well, but here, here's an example. So, planet Earth, our planet Earth, is uh, the circumference is forty thousand kilometers. The circumference of counter Earth is seven thousand nine hundred twenty-six. Oh, why do they give oh. miles? How do we convert that? Jeez, <laughs> you're Canadian. You should be able to convert that easy. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's got to be. You know what? I'll have to figure that out. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's pointless to give it in two different uh, things. But anyway, so yeah, that's why I was didn't like <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe it's the same exact size. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'll find out right now. But anyway, so you weren't bothered by that. No, I'm not bothered <laughs> okay, by it. Okay. Like Hold I expected on. it to be exactly like our Earth, except uh, you know, Man Beast is trying to take it over now. He's uh, he's called okay. The so he, you ready for this? So if if Counter Earth is seven thousand miles in diameter. In kilometers, that's 12,000, okay? So 12,000 miles in diameter, but the real Earth is 40,000. So it's like... What, it's what do you think they left off? Or do they just shrunk everything, I guess? I guess so, yeah, I don't know. So... Anyway, like, okay, that's just a minor thing, but... Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So there you go. But Mike yeah, it's counter Earth. The, yeah, <laughs> but How I got big's Earth two. I bet Earth two is huge. Earth two is way bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's exactly the same size. But anyway, you know what? Actually, here's a stupid fact for you. In the Avengers, um, what's it called? The Avengers J uh, Justice League crossover. I think they find out that DC's Earth is bigger. And the reason Kurt Busiek wrote that in there is to explain how there can be Metropolis and Gotham as well as New York and all these <laughs> fictional cities. So he just made the planet bigger. I think that's idiotic, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. That'll change a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Gravitational spin. The, exactly. The climate. The, yeah. So anyway, anyway en enough with the science, Michael. This isn't a science podcast. Oh, okay. It's a 1970s awesome comic book podcast. It's definitely not a Doc Savage podcast. <laughs> well, maybe someday. <laughs> Yep. So, sorry. Right. Anything else about the writing here? Uh, I mean, it's fine, but it's just, it's kind of like you know, <laughs> not exactly exhilarating or. Uh, no, the thing uh, is, yeah, I don't hate it, but it's the kind of, like it's the kind of writing that just doesn't suck me in at all. It, it almost pushes me out because again, flashback, <laughs> flashback, and then yeah. you cu cut back, and there's another flashback, and it's just I don't know. It's all over the place, you know. Yeah, they could have lost a couple flashbacks and maybe about 25% of the narration knocked that down a bit. Right, 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 right. Let it breathe, because there are a lot of yellow boxes on these panels. Holy exactly, fuck, there's exactly. a lot of yellow boxes. <laughs> but it was nice seeing Dr. Doom in a suit. Yeah, that was cool. 
All right, let's talk about the artist here, Bob Brown, <laughs> born 1915 in Syracuse, New York. And he uh, sadly passed away from leukemia in 1977 at the age of 61. Oh, that's too bad. His uh, father owned a vaudeville theater and his mother was a pianist. So Bob and his sister and brother performed in song and dance acts as kids. Really? Were, uh, yeah, performers. Then he attended the Hartford Art School and the Rhode Island School of Design. Uh, he was drafted in 1940 and served in the Air Army Air Corps as an aircraft radio operator. He later became a bombardier and a navigator on a B-29 bomber in the Pacific Theater of World War II. He flew 35 missions over Japan and earned six medals and a Distinguished Flying Cross, which is awarded for heroism and extraordinary achievement while participating in an aerial flight. Really? How about that? How many medals do you have, Michael? Zero. Yeah. Unless you count track medals from grade school. You have track medals? That's right. I used to run in track, track and field. Bet you didn't know that. What events? I don't see you doing anything running related. I just can't picture that. <laughs> no, I used to do, you know, like 100 meter dash, 200 meter relay. Oh, really? Yep. It's the only sport whole... I was ever good at. When was the last time you ran, Michael? Oh boy, it wasn't a pretty sight. Basically, <laughs> when I was like, I don't know, 28, me and my me and my friend were like, let's have a race. And it wasn't pretty. But you no, know, to be fair, like I do, I can jog now. Not well, but I oh, can. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not fast though, but. Yeah. yeah, because Michael, I used to be really fast and I could run like the wind. And then, uh, but I didn't run for many, many years. And then two years ago, I, I tried and I was like Herman Munster. My legs were not coordinated. They just yeah. did not work. And uh, so I, I was back this summer. I was shooting a lot of hockey and stuff outside. So I kind of got back to, I could jog and run a little bit. But um, yeah, it's not, once you, uh, you use, you don't, wait, what is the word? You don't use it, you lose it. Is that yeah, the, is that yeah, the whatever. Yeah. Well, but the other thing Because in my mind. In right. my mind, I think I can still run that really fast. Of course. But then when I try, legs just do not work. <laughs> but also, it's, work. to me, it's also the lungs do not work. Like, if yeah. I do anything, like, because I do work out, but if I do anything beyond the, the bare minimum of, like, working out and walking and maybe a little bit jogging, like, I get winded so easily, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely out of shape. It's more just the legs with me, just the legs. But, oh, I got uh, you, okay. Anyway, I got to get back to Bob Brown. Yeah, back to the comic books. H hearing about your science and your uh, track and field medals, it really uh, distracts me. Yeah. Whole new sides of Mike L. He can <laughs> convert kilometers into miles. He can run 100-yard dashes. He can do it all. Yep. All right, so, so Bob Brown, he started working in comics after the war, and his first regular gig was on the Vigilante feature in DC's Action Comics from mm. 1951 to 1953. Uh, do you know who the Vigilante was? Yeah, he's a cowboy. Uh, oh, okay. With, yeah, he... I don't remember what... I think he wore black and like a red um, mask, I think. I'm pretty sure. I'll believe you. Uh, but he <laughs> did a ton of stuff in the 50s and uh, in the 60s and stuff. And uh, his biggest runs in comic book-wise, because he did a lot of like Western stuff, House of Mystery, those kind of things, you know, the mm -hmm. typical from that era. Uh, but uh, from 68 to 73, he did like 41 issues of Superboy. Yes. If you like the Superboy. And from also, the, during that same time, 68 to 73, did 37 issues of Detective Comics. Yes. See, that's where I first came across Bob Brown. And I remember actually really liking his art in Batman. So... I like, think he was... Uh, I think I read he co-created... Uh, who, who's the guy? Ra, 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 Raj Al Ghul or whatever? Is that his name? Ra. Oh, yeah. Raj Al Ghul. He co-created him? No, no, no. He co-created his daughter. 
Oh, Talia. Yeah, Talia. Wow, I didn't know that. Interesting. That's who he co-created. So then he went over to the uh, Marvel, and he did 12 issues of the Avengers from 73 to 74. Hmm. And uh, that was during issues 113 to 126. He did 25 issues of Daredevil between issues 107 and 143 from 74 to 77. And he also did Warlock uh, issues 6, 7, and 8. Wow. So he closed out the run. But he did a bunch of other stuff. But those are like the significant ones. It's funny. I um, so, never hear anyone talk about him. Yeah, because I guess uh, that's what I was reading. A lot of people say he doesn't get the respect he deserves, at least people that worked with him. And they said one of the things was, I was like, uh, here in the 70s when he was at Marvel, everyone was saying he, he kind of had an an old style right you know from like the fit and you can definitely see it's like 50s sure. 60s kind of style and i guess the editors were trying to tell him this is what we want now and they would show him like stuff that they wanted now and i i can't remember who was saying this but it was like an editor or something to work with and he said uh bob just couldn't grasp what they wanted because he said when he looked at it he could just see a bunch of fundamental flaws in like structure and composition right, and storytelling right. and and he's like, I don't understand. Like, this is flawed, and you want me to do this? <laughs> and they're yes. like, yes. So he just could never catch on, I guess. Uh, he signed on to be the regular Wonder Woman artist really? in 1977, but and he did issue 231, but that was the only issue he did because he died. Oh. Right, uh, yeah, so he, that issue was published two weeks after he died. Like That's I mentioned, he had the leukemia. And then he, uh, around that same time in 77... Uh, X-Men 106, he also did, and that also was published after his death. Um, oh, that was a fill-in issue. yes, I remember, yes. I think Bill Mantlo wrote the issue. It was wow. one of them fill-ins. And so, yeah, he had two books come out after his death, sadly. Wow. Um, so, yeah, Bob Brown, there he is. Huh. I don't know. So, what do you think about... Oh. Yeah, what do you think <laughs> about his... Oh, I, was, I was just paying respects to Bob Brown. Oh, what do you think about silence. his work here? <laughs> This year in Warlock. Uh, to be honest, I didn't think it was great. Um, yeah, it's not awesome. Um, no, and I mean, it, it, it's definitely older. Like it's fine. Like storytelling wise, it's fine. And uh, right, a lot of nice compositions, and there's some good action, like poses and scenes that some dynamic stuff. But overall, it's kind of like you know dated and well the thing um, is is it, we it could be the inks by tom sutton i don't maybe he has a little bit of the blame i liked a lot of the inking but then like it would get into uh like if you look at that scene where they're fighting on the golden gate bridge like just out of nowhere he'll put in all this cross thatching and um, right on the one and well i, I like the when he's working in solid blacks i thought the inking was fine well here's the thing like the shots of the brute are actually really good pretty good yeah. Like, you know, like the, the shading of the muscles and the whatever you want to call it, the feathering is actually really good. And when you see the shot that introduces Estrella, she actually looks pretty hot. So clearly <laughs> he knows how to draw women, right? I don't know. It's almost like the more I look at it, the more I like it. But Yeah, I don't hate it. It's just, right. <clears throat> it is definitely more 50s style arc. Right, you know? right, right. Um, well, here's so. the thing. The story you told me about the way that he saw like art in the 70s it reminds me exactly of when herb trimpey was working at marvel in the 90s and they 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 told him he had to draw more like rob liefeld right and <laughs> yikes and that happened with a lot of guys and they're basically like okay so you mean draw badly then right because they couldn't understand yeah. the appeal and the thing is is obviously i like 70s art but the 70s art in marvel it was not as good as like 
Jack Kirby, John Romita Sr., John Busama. There's no way. Like, as much as I like those guys, they just weren't in the same league, I don't think, as the 60s guys. So I understand where he's coming from, you know? Yeah. Crickets. No, no, I hear you. Okay. I hear you. Okay. Yeah, because you um, like John Romita. You like Jack Kirby, yeah, right? he's the yeah. best. Yeah. There you well, go. I, I like, I respect Kirby. He's not yeah. like a favorite. But, all right, all right. Um... Because I think I've said this before, but you know, Kirby, he drew. Uh, he drew a guy. He drew Ree Richards with blonde hair. With well, blonde hair, yeah, you could say, that. You could say that. <laughs> Every lady looked like Sue Storm, but yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Warlock. You know, one thing I like about Warlock, I went to mention, is uh, they do it a lot in this issue. But it's not just Bob Brown and Tom Sutton. It's everybody who was drawing with this time. They they do a lot of heavy black around the eyes. Yes. So um, a lot of heavy shadowing around the eyes. I, I, it gives them a cool look, kind of like a detached kind of, um, sure. I don't know, um, cosmic kind of look. I don't know, but it looks cool. But uh, so Yeah, this is like definitely not like I've read so much Jim Starlin Warlock. This is absolutely, it's, it's like a different character to me, you know? Yes. Yeah. So doesn't have that cosmic scope that Jim Starlin gave it. So one out of 10, Mike, Warlock issue six. I was originally going to give it a three, but I'll give it a four out of ten. Yeah, I'll probably give it a four as well. Let's not forget the great cover by John Romita Sr. Right, so, excellent. Uh, that helps. And yeah, but like I was um, saying, the art kind of gets better at the more I look at it, but it's definitely not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's nothing that is going to make me want to read the rest of this Warlock run. Right. I'm like, eh, I'm good. Exactly. I don't need to do it. So, Woo! But at least we've experienced Warlock now. And we never have to read Warlock again, right? Well, maybe some Starlin stuff. All right, you could try. You say so. Yeah. It's on my list, so but now I'll have to push it back a little bit. Yeah, and that's why next week we're not going to be reading Warlock. We're going to be reading a, a book that's picked by our special guest. Oh, a special guest. Special guest. That's right. None other than the co-host of Here Comes the Spider Cast, Joshua Mervell, will be joining us for the first time ever. And uh-huh. I decided to let him pick whatever comic he wanted to read, and that's why we're <laughs> going to read Batman Thor number three thirty-seven, <laughs> the first appearance of Beta Ray Bill. Oh, Walt yeah. Simonson. Yep, you ever read it? No. Yeah, I've i maybe read it once, but I'm looking forward to this because it's not a run that I'm overly familiar with. So yeah, you said three thirty-seven. Yeah, right? I'll send you the link. Yep. Oh, and by the way, Ray I also Bill. have to mention. We did get some, uh, you know, so a comment on Facebook because I, I shared one of our episodes on like another page. It was, uh, you remember the Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number one review we did? Yes. I shared that on a New Universe Facebook page. Would you like to hear the, uh, the comment? I'm guessing it's not, it's not a nice comment. Well, this is right. what it says. It says, while it's always rough to listen to people make a little fun of something you love, for the sake of having an entertaining conversation, I do appreciate I do appreciate that you guys take the time to do such an in-depth page-by-page review of the first issue of Spitfire here. Isn't that great? Ah, yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Yeah. They, so it's all I'm, worth it, Mike. Though. There are two things that I'm shocked about. One that uh, the New Universe has a Facebook page. Why? <laughs> and uh, two. That someone uh, loved Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. <laughs> like, who, like who says, oh, I love Spitfire. And I'll, I don't like that these guys are making fun of it, but at least they research. <laughs> I'll have you, you know, know like, there is a grand total of 830 members of this Facebook page. And they all oh love the God. new universe, okay? Anyway. Uh, 
I don't. I, I, it's got to all just be gym shooter sock accounts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can't be all. There's no way in the universe. <laughs> I still got to do Kicker's Inc. I want to read Kicker's Inc. At oh, some yeah. Point. I'm sure it'll be, it'll be on the list one day. It's coming up soon. <laughs> all right. But next week it's Thor. We've never done a normal Thor issue. We did a Thor annual. That's true. That's true. So it's we've been. Never done a oh, my gosh. Issue. That was like a, what, a third or fourth episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say four. Yeah. Yeah, four. But, yeah, you're uh, right. All right, well, so, yeah, so that wraps up another episode. Uh, join us every week as we review a different Bronze Age comic book. One week I pick, one week Mike Dell picks. Uh, you can find our episodes of Flea Market Fantasy under Comic Book Syndicate on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, the Comic Book Syndicate Twitter feed, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and the Comic Book Syndicate website. So until next Tuesday, despite... How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.